Hello, Yoshi here. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to ask you to go and fill in our first ever readers survey. It's short, it's very easy to fill in, and crucially, it allows you to shape the podcast and give us your thoughts. We're having lots of conversations at the moment about how to take this podcast forward, and we'd love to hear from you. It'll take you, I think, literally five minutes. So click on the link to the survey that we've got in the show notes, or go to manchestermill.co.uk forward slash podcast page, and there's a link on there. Okay, now let's get into the rest of the episode. Hello there, welcome to this week's episode of the Manchester Weekly from the Mill with me, Daryl Morris, and the Mill's editor, Yoshi Herman. Hello, Yoshi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very well nice to see you in the flesh again, yeah. my friend. Forgot how handsome you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's lots going on this week, lots for us to um, to get our head around. Uh, we'll talk about the Metrolink in a little bit, and also uh, prosperity in the north, and one of our favourites, Diane Coyle, who's chaired a new report, a former guest on the podcast. We'll hear mm. what she's going to say for herself in a sec. Firstly, can we start with um, some news or a, a, a brilliant reaction to a piece by Danny in the mill over the weekend about the lonely funeral. This has really blown up, hasn't it? It's totally blown up, yeah. People really, really love that piece. We've had a huge response. I think it really struck a chord with people. Um, Just explain what it was. So Danny went to a funeral for somebody who didn't have a next of kin. Yeah, right? so for listeners who haven't read the piece yet, it's called A Death Unseen, and it is about a man in Manchester who had a funeral at which none of his friends attended, none of his family attended, and the celebrant, the person who did the funeral, sort of posted in local Facebook groups to try and get a few people to come along, and a few of her friends turned up to the funeral. And the only person at the funeral who knew um, this man was was his his support worker. So Danny wrote a brilliant piece about spending a, a few months, you know, trying to work out who this person was. And... That is a um, it's a piece you can read on the mail. We're going to do a special on it on Sunday. But the, the, the extraordinary thing is, I, I mean, I think I knew it was going to do well, but um, Radio 4 have now asked Danny to come on the Today programme to talk about it. Granada sent a reporter to another one of these public health funerals, these um, local authority organised funerals. Um, I was in Lisbon on Friday night because I was there for a friend's wedding. And you sort of know when you're editing something, you know, special, something that's going to going to really hit home. Um, and, it, and it felt like that. I think um, it also felt when you read the story like Danny had really committed herself to this story and to this man. And I think that, that shone through. And the story felt like it was holding a bit of a mirror up to us, you know, telling us something important about the society we live in, the way people can get left behind, the way people can get um, disappear on the margins of society. And the limits of society, really, you know, this guy was living outside of society, effectively. Um, so I think those are some of the reasons it, it got through. I mean, we actually got an email from someone who's been listening to the podcast for almost a year, so clearly a long, long-term listener. Um, he's called Deepak, and he's a regular listener. He said... Um, he said in a really nice email, he said, I'm so glad that the mill exists as it gave me a great front row seat um, to understanding um, the city. And I think the first mill story he'd read, unless I misunderstood his email, the first mill story he'd read in the newsletter was Danny's one. And he, he said it was just like really hit home for him and, and it really struck him. And I think that's why he became a, a mill subscriber. Lovely. Great. So he's, um, he says, I listen to the podcast every weekend on Sundays when I go for my walks in Didsbury. Um, and he said, I'm so glad the podcast exists so I can consume quality journalism when I'm out and about. Um, he said he listens to us alongside listening to The Economist, hopefully not at the same time. I think <laughs> The Economist comes first or maybe second. So, yeah, great to hear from a listener. And a bit of an announcement. Yeah. We would really hi- like to hear from more listeners. We've created a survey 
to try and understand what you like about the podcast, what we could improve, could we broaden it out, could we narrow it. We're having all these conversations at the moment about where we take the podcast next and how we develop it. And the way you can contribute to that, and we really, really want to get dozens of responses, is go to manchestermail.co.uk forward slash podcast page. That's manchestermail.co.uk forward slash podcast page. On there, there's a link to the survey, and it's literally a five-minute survey. So please go and do that um, now immediately and then we'll, we'll right now and then it will it will really help <laughs> us to to know who's listening and to find out what we should do next okay really can't wait to hear from you on that let's get to some of that quality journalism uh, then shall we i got the metrolink yesterday just as a sort of evening rush hour should have been ticking up and it was really quiet really very very quiet and i, I remember i was sort of looking around thinking how does this really important service make any money when it's running through the town running through the city as empty as it was we talked about this a little bit last week it's a real problem yoshi that is knocking on the door isn't it of the those who run the metrolink yeah i've been told that for local leaders this is a really big headache at the moment one of the big sort of priority areas for people for leaders in greater manchester to fix as we said on last week's podcast metrolink is in a precarious financial position so the the latest round of government support it's had huge amounts of government support as it as it needed during the pandemic that ran out on the weekend and there's now talk of Greater Manchester having to dip into its emergency reserves to keep the trams running. Apparently, we're not at that point yet, but we could get to that point towards the end of the year. According to Transport for Greater Manchester's latest uh, report, passenger numbers are still well below pre-pandemic figures. So, you know, basically what you just described, I think they say at the moment they're 70 to 75% of, of, of the pre-pandemic levels. So that's a big, big drop-off. Can I, can I put you on the spot just very briefly? Mm. Do you think, is that because people working from home or taking different modes of transport? Does it stack up with, with sort of less people on the roads, do you think? Or is it, a, is it a Metrolink-specific problem or is it a wider social thing that Metrolink are suffering for? Do you see what I'm saying? I think the big factor here is that Metrolink tends to serve more professional um, commuters and those professional commuters coming in from, in particular, South Manchester, Stockport, etc. They are not um, going to work five days a week. They're either working full, full five days at home or they're doing two or three days in the office. And right. you can feel that in the city centre. And I think that's really hurting Metrolink. The compounding factor that makes this even worse than the, their revenue being much lower than they expected is that they borrowed money against the expectations of revenue that they had. Yeah. So the amount of money they expected to take in fares, I'm sure they made reasonably conservative estimates, but these conservative estimates won't have had a pandemic in them. Mm-hmm. So... Now that we've got these effects of the, you know, these changing work patterns, the, be- the massive loans, we're talking about almost 800 million quid that they borrowed, which is perfectly normal for a big infrastructure project. They, they say they haven't missed any of those payments yet, but that's clearly a big concern, that their revenue is nowhere near what it was supposed to be, and therefore they've borrowed against the wrong figures, and that's going to become a real problem. They told us they're confident of getting a new round of, of government support. Um, they're also obviously just really hoping people will get back on the trams again. I think the Christmas period is big for that as well. So um, this one is sort of rumbling on and um, Metrolink is in a reasonable amount of trouble. Okay. Well, as part of that uh, story is the sort of economics of the North, right? And also the social structures of the North. Everybody's got an opinion about this. And in fact, we've based quite a few of our podcasts around it. There's been a real shift in ideology on that in the last couple of months. So big questions now about what levelling up is, looks like, and if it's even really on the agenda anymore 
Few people are as worth listening to on this than The Economist, Diane Coyle. She is a former advisor to the Treasury and former podcast guest as well. I would highly recommend you listen to Yoshi's conversation with her. She was brilliant, wasn't she? She was really good. Really insightful, and we had a great reaction to that. Uh, This week, she's chaired a new report, Yoshi, into prosperity in Greater Manchester. What is this? Yeah, it's kind of a wonky report, but I think your your link between this and the last item on Metrolink was actually not tenuous because oh, thank pe- you, finally, <laughs> finally, yeah, finally, I've got one. a non-tenuous <laughs> link because people always talk about the need for public transport to be much better in northern cities in order for people to live better lives, to be able to get better jobs, to be able to get between places. The thing that I think doesn't get talked about enough is health. And that's the big thing that this report today is is highlighting. So it's an update on the 2019 Greater Manchester Independent Prosperity Review. And it's been delivered under the leadership of, as you say, um, the chair, uh, who is Professor Diane Coyle, who we've had on. People will remember one of our best episodes. She was talking to us in that episode about productivity, how, how people can get better jobs. And... The crucial thing about this report, before we get into it, is that it, it will underpin the local industrial strategy that will, will, will come out um, later this year. So it's kind of leading directly to policy stuff. It's not just academics talking among themselves. So headlines from this report, poor health outcomes are continuing to hold people back um, in terms of productivity. That's m- maybe not a link people would normally make. They think of health as one thing and work and productivity and the economic output as another. But th- she is making this direct link saying... If people are in poor health, um, they cannot fulfil themselves. They, they they cannot get get the kind of jobs that they deserve. So that's that's been a point that's been made, I think, repeatedly in recent years. Various reports um, about Greater Manchester Great, uh, and about the North. But Diane Coyle and her panel are making that one again. She says, or the report says, that addressing that issue, um, which has been magnified by the pandemic, should basically become one of our top you know, economic priorities. So in parts of the city region, they point out nearly a third of the working age population were inactive at the end of 2021. And ill health was a key factor in explaining this. So they would like local leaders to be talking about sort of people's lives being held back by poor health as like a sort of top priority, which I think is really interesting. Um, They also say that while productivity has shown a big improvement over the last 10 years in Greater Manchester, it is still behind the UK average. And I think we can we kind of know that, like the quality of jobs and the, the, what, what people can earn here for, for, for the hours they put in. It clearly isn't um, UK average. You know, it, it, it's way, way behind London and it's, and it's clearly way you know, behind the, the UK average as well. So um, I haven't read the whole report yet, but I'm looking forward to getting into it. And it's, a, it's probably an important sort of contribution to this ongoing thing of how do we make Greater Manchester more productive. This is that that stat that really jumps out to me is a third of the working age population in the city region inact, inactive, uh, the, the the majority of them because of uh, ill health, which is which is astonishing. That's a huge number of people, isn't it? Yeah, it sort of reminds me of conversations I've had with local council leaders and politicians where they always talk about men, particularly men in their fifties and sixties, people who could be economically active but they're not i think whenever i speak to people here they always seem to be much more confident about young people the way young people feel about their futures the young people's ability to find jobs what they seem to really feel is that there are a lot of people in middle age older people 
who, once they leave the labour market, the chances of them coming back into the labour market is really, really low. So that's kind of chimes with some of that that you've heard. Also chimes with what some people who work in welfare policy say about how this country has seen a shift from people being effectively being listed as um, just unemployed to being listed as unemployed via poor health, right? Mm. And so you've got people shifting from one category to another. I'm no expert on this, but that's certainly something I've heard and, and, and read about. And, you know, when, sometimes when you speak to people who've been on benefits for a long time, who are unemployed, the, the specific thing is that they've got, you know, really serious mental health problems or really serious physical health things. So, yeah, this is a, this is a massive area. Um, for this um, for this region to be thinking about. And it does strike me, I mean, Diane Coyle gets into this brilliantly in that podcast that we recorded with her. Your interview with her is definitely worth listening to. It'll be a little bit further down your podcast feed. It strikes me that you know, one of the things she points to is the sort of levelling up agenda as was under Boris Johnson, which has obviously now kind of fallen away a bit. But but the idea of sort of just chucking money at the, at the redevelopment of, of Rochdale Town Hall, for example, feels like it's fallen so far wide of the mark of this major issue that we have here of people People being too ill to work and productivity and this term you're going to hear a lot, growth, therefore not being achieved. Yeah. Those, those, the, the, it feels like there's a, a, a gap wider than ever between those two things. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I think there's there's a clear gap between people who talk about levelling up and talk about quite cosmetic policies and the people who take these things really, really seriously. Diane Coyle is clearly one of the people you need to listen to on this. I think another interesting source for information about this is Metro Dynamics, the consultancy, because they put out interesting papers and reports that really get into how does a region or how does an economy generate better paid jobs, more productivity. I know they've got more work on that coming up, but how do you get you know, a, a Nissan-style company to come and create loads of new jobs. How do you get really high-tech innovation rather than having your lower-paid jobs? Mm. So Metro Dynamics website is, is worth having a look at that. Diane Coyle's Twitter is definitely worth having a look at too, and, the, and obviously this report which came out today. Okay, good stuff. Um, it's been a little while, Yoshi, since I have looked down at my notes here during our recordings and seen the words ultra-low emission zone. Uh, but it's back in our notes, back on the agenda, back on the podcasts. What's this? Yeah, so we've talked in the past about the Greater Manchester version of this, which was the clean air zone, the CAs. This Now people are talking about an ultra-low admission zone. Specifically, you're talking about a couple of uh, Manchester councillors, John Connor Lyons and Marcus Johns. They would like an ultra-low admission zone, an ULEZ, which is what they have in London. Um, I, I've been charged by the ULEZ <laughs> multiple times. They want that to be introduced in the city centre to tackle pollution. Now, that's interesting because Labour's policy across Greater Manchester at the moment, led by Andy Burnham, is this idea of a uh, an investment-led non-charging model, right? So after the huge backlash that Burnham got over the, 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 the CAS which was going to cover the whole of Greater Manchester, he has now moderated that plan to a non-charging one, and, and it's with the government to decide whether that's, you know, that, that, that's viable. The, the proposal from these councillors is that in the city centre, we need to tackle pollution much more seriously, and therefore um, we should go for an ultra-low emissions zone. It's very difficult to see this, this getting any approval. But, it, you know, ideas have to start somewhere. And, like, if the idea of charging in in the city centre of Manchester is coming back again, I think that's interesting, even if it's sort of very early um, stage. They particularly talk about the emissions created by commercial and, and private vehicles sort of cutting through the city centre, which I agree is pretty annoying when you're going through and there are, like, lorries and, and big vans and stuff. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if this picks up any momentum in the probably not months ahead, but yeah, years ahead. 
Okay, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, a very, very distressing story, uh, Yoshi, that's playing out at Manchester Crown Court this week, and that is the the trial of Lucy Letby, who was charged with murdering seven babies and attempting to murder ten others um, at the Countess of Chester Hospital in 2015 and 2016. Yeah, this is one of the grimmest crime you know cases that I, I can remember. It's on at Manchester Crown Court, which is why we're talking about it. And I'm fairly sure that I'm going to go along to a couple of days just because it's such an astonishing case. So Letby's charged with murdering seven babies, as he said, attempting to murder 10 others. Um, and she she denies all 22 charges she faces. But like there's just this sort of day by day, I think we've had three or four days now, day by day, drip by drip of really, really horrible evidence about the death of this baby and the death of that baby and and, and all the evidence that's, that's mounting up. Um, the prosecuting barrister told the court this week, I quote, it is a notable fact that in the case of, and then he named a particular baby, baby H, and others, that as soon as children were removed from the Countess of Chester and the sphere of influence of Lucy Letby, it was often followed by their sudden and remarkable recovery, close quotes. As I said, she denies all the charges and that trial continues. And elsewhere this week, Yoshi, uh, a story we were kind of perhaps expecting, um, uh, bonfire night firework displays in and around Manchester and uh, Manchester parks are not happening this uh, this bonfire night because of budget pressures. Uh, the councils have blamed rising costs of delivering the displays, safety measures and the local authority's ambition to become net zero by 2038. So this is interesting because I mean, there's a couple of things that are being blamed in there. Right? So hang on, is this, what was this about? Because last time it was about COVID. Didn't they cancel them last year because of COVID? They were all cancelled the last two years for, for COVID. And now they're cancelling them again. What's... And now they're cancelling them again. So, yeah, so mm-hmm. what, what's this about? Well, uh, uh, cost of delivering them, apparently. But there's lots of things here though right because there's the cost of delivering them yeah. the safety measures which means that's a pr- i'm not quite sure what that means uh local authorities ambition to become net zero by 2038 not good for emissions is that right are fireworks bad for i don't know I, I, I didn't know that i thought the main lobby group um the anti-firework lobby group was um was dogs and and obviously they'll be <laughs> delighted yeah but they don't seem to have been one of the the, the stated reasons. But classic yeah. FM, they'll be very disappointed. They have one of their best nights on Bonfire Night. Classic oh, really? FM, yeah, because people put Classic FM on for the dogs. Uh, they have a special see. show for dogs. Oh, nice. Well, um, now the dogs Night. don't need their own show. They mm. can just enjoy their, their evening. That is a real shame because actually there were uh, there's one at, uh, um, at Buell Hill Park that we'd go to every year that's really, really busy, full of people. The community come together. There's uh, hot dog vans and rides and stuff, and it feels like a real kind of focal point point of some really dark winter months for people and now that's not going to be happening it's not going to be happening but back to the dogs I think it's great for them. <laughs> the team dogs. Yeah, because okay. they'll, they've now had three years off this month. <laughs> That's true, actually. They'll have forgotten now, aren't they, what fireworks are like. And finally, Yoshi, just a quick nod to an article you saw in the Sunday Times this week um, about buying a house in Leventium. Yeah, so Hannah Othman, who writes for the Sunday Times, uh, she wrote a really interesting piece about she's been buying a house in Leventium and she has been caught up in this sort of mortgage mortgage rates disaster. So she, I, th- I think, I can't remember the exact timing, but she started buying it around the time that Liz Truss um, came into number 10. And then there was the mini budget. And I think she had already had an offer accepted. The, 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 the mortgage rates were going up and up and up. All her friends were texting her saying, hey, you know, have you, have you still got your mortgage and stuff? I won't ruin the outcome because it's an interesting piece in the Sunday Times. But interesting insight into this like nightmare that people are having at the moment if you at the moment haven't quite nailed down your mortgage and, it, and you know the price is doubling or tripling or whatever or loads of people who obviously you know having their mortgages renewed yeah there's a there, there's a massive um 
a massive sort of nightmare about it. And, and, and I think she writes really nicely about the sort of anxiety. It, it's given her and all the online searching and all the Reddit communities talking about, could I go into negative equity and all that sort of thing? So um, interesting piece in the Sunday Times. Really worth a read. And there's a link to that in the briefing this week uh, uh, from The Mill. Manchestermill.co.uk is where you go to subscribe to get that. Yoshi, what are you working on at the moment? What's going on? Well, it's a sort of big, sort of precipice moment. We are about to hit 1,500 members. Ooh. I think we're about four or five off at the moment. Um, off, oh, wow, got, that close. Yeah, we got a few yesterday. So that's a big landmark that we've been aiming for for ages. If you like this podcast and, and, and you want to um, get all our journalism and, and basically fund the, the journalism that goes into the podcast, please go over to manchestermill.co.uk and... Um, and, and, and join us as a member, as four listeners did last week. Four listeners joined as, as male members, so that was awesome. Um, another bit of announcement is we are hiring. We are trying to find a what we're calling a growth intern. So instead of a journalist, we're looking for someone whose entire focus is just going to be marketing, increasing revenue, helping us to get sponsorships in, all the kind of money side. So if, if you think that might be you, it's a paid internship, you know, sort of paid, I can't remember, you know, around the minimum wage, that sort of thing, four days a week in the office you'll be working with me a lot if that sounds like you i think we've probably got a younger audience on the podcast than we do on the newsletter so maybe this is the perfect not that we need someone young but this might be the perfect platform to find someone so please if you think that sounds like you know it's for you the application deadline is end of next week sunday and the internship will run for two months until christmas and um, you just need to go to manchestermill.co.uk forward slash jobs um, hyphen internships or if you just go to our homepage now it's one of the top items so we'd really like to hear from you or your niece or your nephew or a friend or or anyone who, who'd like to take that on am I allowed one more thing oh go on then okay final thing back to that survey I mentioned earlier manchestermill.co.uk forward slash podcast page we've got our survey there and we're really looking if we get like 30 or 40 different listeners filling in we'll just get a, a, our, basically our first ever picture of who are our listeners who's listening what are they like what do they think we can improve we are having we've been talking recently like should we slightly broaden out the podcast to like other stuff in the north now outside of manchester or, or whatever so we re, this is the crucial time to hear from people um, it will literally take you five minutes. So go to manchestermail.co.uk forward slash podcast page and then just click on the um, survey and we'll, we'll keep it open for a few days. Brilliant. Yeah, it'd be really, really nice to hear from you on that. manchestermill.co.uk slash podcast page, if you will. And you'll also find in the mill plenty of bits and bobs for you to do around the city. Uh, what is on your radar this week, Yoshi? What's going on? There's a new exhibition of paintings, drawings, screen prints, and it's opening on Friday. Um, which is probably when a lot of people listen to the the podcast, at Central Library. Um, it is Gene Hobson, uh, the, the artist, um, who I, whose work I don't know, but the, the, the pieces look interesting. It records some of the old buildings which have either been replaced or repurposed and celebrates the dramatic transformation of the city's skyline. Um, and, and Jean Hobson said she recently revisited the areas she had sketched and was astonished by the changes. Uh, I quote her, she says, I decided to highlight this by putting contemporary photographs next to the drawings or paintings of the buildings which have vanished so yeah interesting one at the um, central library starting this weekend lovely sounds like it's worth a visit as is the imperial war museum there is a display of some photographs from the front line of ukraine uh, going on display for the first time this week it's called ukraine photographs from the front line this is anastasia taylor lind um, who's been documenting war for a long time uh, particularly in ukraine she's been there uh, documenting war in ukraine since 2014 of course the uh, Annexing of Crimea. Uh, she's been living in the Donbass as well for a bit during that period. So she has a really, really vivid 
portrait and picture and snapshot of that unfolding story um, in Ukraine. And it's on display at the Imperial War Museum North from this week. So really, really worth a visit. Um, That's it for us uh, for this week. Thank you for being here. Uh, Don't forget this Sunday in your podcast feed, you will have that brilliant piece from Danny Cole, who went to a lonely funeral in Greater Manchester. She will talk us through that story and her investigation into whose funeral that was. Everybody's been talking about this piece this week. You'll find it in your podcast feed from Sunday. And don't forget to subscribe to The Mill for more quality journalism. ManchesterMill.co.uk is where you do that. For now, Yoshi, thank you. Thank you.